Welcome to my bed and welcome to my ASMR bedtime show where it's my job to help you find calm and relax or work or whatever. And I'm looking forward to today because I have some interesting things I want to talk about and some great recommendations and also some ASMR that I want to make for you. And I thought I would start right away with letting you guess an interesting trigger I found. actually this strange eye mask with green bubbles in them. I'm not sure what it does exactly, but Marno ASMR had it in his video and I generally really like his calm trigger compilations and he's a good, reliable ASMR artist, I think, with a nice voice. Okay, second of all, I wanted to show you a new channel I discovered. It's called Dire Hit. ASMR and it's this guy who makes great role plays I think uh, he has this cranial nerve exam for instance he has nice props a good voice he has a mask in this one but many other good videos and he's kind of a hidden gem he's not that big yet but I think he's gonna definitely grow so check him out yeah can I have that thank you okay so I see that you are scheduled for a cranial nerve examination. Okay, perfect. And let's just go over a couple little things. Uh, seems like you had an accident, am I correct? Okay, and this happened about how long ago now? Good job. Good job. And let's go ahead and uh, take a look at this side as well. So if you will, please look right about here. Also wanted to show you some unintentional ASMR I enjoyed and this one's a bit unusual CK raps did you know that you can rap pretty much everything and there's this YouTube channel where this guy raps cars and many other things but in this video I want to show to you he raps a notebook which surprisingly makes pretty good sounds so check it out hey everyone Christian here from CK raps uh, today we're going to be wrapping a laptop, um, it's just your basic 
laptop. This is a, a Lenovo laptop. We're gonna be doing the top portion of this laptop in some vivid silver chrome. Make sure we have everything we need. We've got our squeegee and buffer, 30 degree nine millimeter blade, isopropyl alcohol, and a microfiber cloth. And that's what we're gonna use along with our heat gun to get this to be perfect right around the top of the laptop. So instead of soaking the laptop in isopropyl alcohol, we're gonna spray it onto the rag first, wipe the surface down, be thorough. Um, it's more for shipping purposes, I believe, than, than installation. So we're just gonna get rid of that right there. I've already cut the piece, as you can see, a little bit larger than the size of the laptop. We gotta make sure we have a little bit of room for play and a little bit of room for error. We're gonna peel the backing off. Any way that you find works, but try to keep the backing paper rolling. And as you can see, it's rolling, it's not crumpling up or anything like that. If it does crinkle, if it does crinkle, it will crease the uh, it'll crease the chrome, and then it'll be permanently damaged. What we're doing here today is something that can be done by yourself with almost any film. You can sticker bomb it. You can do chrome, whatever kind of floats your boat. But we're definitely bringing some life to Lenovo's design here, uh, still keeping it minimal but a little more glamorous with the, uh, with the chrome wrap on it. So I'm just applying even pressure and I'm cutting, I'm slicing the air out by dragging my squeegee along and not pushing down in this direction. Cut pretty close to the edge, there isn't a lot of stretch. And this is chrome so it's a little harder to get those really, really tight edges. fingerprints off of there. It's just a little isopropyl alcohol that I used on it that's totally fine. It's totally safe for the wrap. As long as we're not pushing super hard. Cool. Okay, before we go on, I thought we could think a bit about this past week, which I like to kind of do as a ritual and reminder to myself to think back and be grateful. So is there anything that you enjoyed this past week that you can feel grateful for? Because for me, it would probably be the weather got better and I was able to walk around outside. And it looks like stores are going to open up again in March here in Zurich. So I'm kind of looking forward to doing some basic shopping again even though I'm not that much of a shopping guy. So yeah. And for next week, is there something that you can be looking forward to? So yeah, for next week, I kind of look forward to going to an Ikea maybe. And I want to buy a few different props that I want to be using for a video that I want to make next week, which I'm really looking forward to. It's something I've wanted to do for a while and I just need a few props to finalize it. So that's kind of something I'm looking forward to. And what about you?
Okay, so before I start talking about what I want to talk about, I usually show some ASMR that I make myself. And this time, instead of making it in my bed, I wanted to show you a preview of a video I made with stuff I purchased for myself. And here is a preview of this video. Okay, this is a big package I ordered from Nature K. But I'm gonna show you the products one by one. Okay, this is CBD oil you've probably heard of, which is the most common way of using CBD and I use it myself. Okay, so I think this is fine, just taking a few drops and then you can put them in your mouth. I put them below my tongue and then I keep them there for a few seconds. has 10 milligrams of CBD in them, which means it's quite a bit actually. Okay, and what you've seen me unboxing there is CBD actually. And I don't usually really talk about products and brands so much here, but I've really been using CBD for two or three years now and it's really been a game changer for me for falling asleep and for anxiety during the day. And I've tested many brands and products myself, but my favorite one is Nature Can. They're actually a company from the UK, but they're in Europe too, in Switzerland, in Japan even, and even in the US. And what's great about them is they're pretty affordable actually. They have great quality. They're 0% THC, so totally legal. But they also have crazy products like gummies, which I love. They have cookies with protein and CBD, which I love, and they have capsules for just falling asleep, but also CBD oil, of course, which is amazing. So I think they're a great company and I wouldn't recommend them if I wouldn't use them myself. So I actually reached out to them because I think CBD and ASMR 
works really well together because we all want to kind of find calm. So they actually agreed to give me a discount code that you can use at naturecan.com for 10% off on all purchases. It's pretty amazing because it's pretty affordable already. So you can get 10% off on all purchases if you use the code CALM10 at checkout. CALM10 at checkout, okay? So you can help out the channel as well a bit because they're kind of sponsoring the channel. But I really love them and I wouldn't recommend them if I wouldn't use them myself. Okay, I'm excited that I can finally talk about what I've thought about quite a bit. And that is what I learned from Jerry Seinfeld. And trust me, I think the lesson is pretty good. So, unless you're super young, you probably know Jerry Seinfeld, the comedian, the creator and actor in Seinfeld, the record-breaking sitcom in the 90s, which ran for nine years and was super popular and made him very rich. And to be honest, I didn't really know that much about Seinfeld. I thought, yeah, it's this guy, he's from New York, he's a Jew, I think, and he kind of likes fast cars because he had this show where he interviewed people's, people in cars, even Obama, I think. I even might have thought that he was a bit arrogant, at least in the show, he's not the most likable character, I find. And in interviews sometimes, like with Zach Galifianakis, he always thought, I don't love him so much, but he was definitely able to laugh about himself. And also, I heard, I think, Tim Dillon or something say that he's kind of like a psychopath because he doesn't really understand people and he comes up with these weird comedy premises, like comedy bits about why do pajamas have pockets? And according to Tim, only psychopaths would come up with this. I don't agree with this, but he definitely seemed to be a bit in his own world to me. Uh, and also somebody said that Jerry isn't that talented. And the good thing he did is to surround himself with amazing people like Elaine in Seinfeld and Kramer and uh, George. Basically those people, those characters who actually outshine him in many ways because they're the great actors, the funny ones. In any case, I didn't really know much about Jerry and I didn't have a lot of sympathy for him, that's it. But then I listened to a podcast of his with Tim Ferriss and I really changed my mind quite a bit. And I think most celebrities and most famous people it's easy to kind of hate on them and it's maybe a natural thing maybe it's just easy to hate on them they're in the public eye and it kind of makes us feel good and there's a bit of jealousy too and it's always nice to say they're not that great after all but i think most celebrities are more multi-dimensional more multifaceted than we think and smarter than we think even actually and Jerry Seinfeld is no exception. And first of all, what I found quite surprising is that Jerry said how he's basically hypersensitive, how his irritation with the world makes him come up with his comedy and how he basically feels like all of his senses are just a bit too 
intense and how he would actually like them to be a bit less. So check it out. The, you mentioned, I guess, irritation as a wellspring of, mm -hmm. uh, sort of comedic material. Is it irritation or is it sensitivity? I think your five senses have been made a little too good. And mm -hmm. it's not quite comfortable. My eyes and my ears and my skin, and I just feel everything just a little more than I think I would even like to. Right. And so that's, yeah, I think that's just kind of a genetic thing, but I, I, I don't know another comedian that isn't the same and mm -hmm. just has this hair trigger reaction to anything that is, irritates them. So yeah, I thought this was quite eye-opening to me personally. And it also gave me a lot of sympathy because I have that too, to a large extent. I also feel like it would be easier if my senses would just be a bit less, if the world outside and relationships and people would just be a bit less loud and overwhelming to my senses. And is this being on the spectrum, autistic, Asperger's, I don't know, but all I can say is I feel similarly. And it's also interesting that Jerry says many comedians are like that too. I think there's definitely something to it that you can, it's a curse, of course, if you're hypersensitive like this, but it can also be a gift if you can channel it into some creative outlet. And I have the feeling that many artists are in a way hypersensitive like this. Um, and I think, yeah, definitely there are some comedians who are similar, like Bill Burr, listening to him talk in his podcasts. It's just so much stuff he's genuinely irritated by. And I really do feel like he struggles with this, like with his wife, with just being annoyed with the world. And it's just being ticked off and being pissed off by the world. This is something I do experience myself as well this constant irritation, which of course isn't great and it's, it can lead you to a dark place, but comedians are maybe able to channel it in a, in a funny way. And I think honestly, the best thing you can do about it, the best medicine about it is laughter, is comedy, is absurdism. And so in a way, this statement made me connect uh, with Jerry pretty much because I never thought of him to be a sensitive, like a sensitive person, like a, a hypersensitive person. I thought he was the contrary, like a pretty normal guy who just goes through life and is self-confident and just always knows the right thing to say. And I never thought he would be this maybe brooding, irritable, sensitive artist type, to be honest. So this made, made me like him more. But what I found even more interesting is what he said afterwards, namely about confrontation. Because he was asked how he was able to manage Seinfeld for nine years pretty smoothly without that many problems coming up. And he gave a very interesting answer, I think. To what would you attribute that lack of discord? I don't like discord. And I, okay. I don't like it, and I am fearless in rooting it out and solving it. And if 
anyone's having a problem, I'm going to walk right up to them and go, is there a problem? Let's talk about this because I cannot stand that kind of turmoil. I don't know where I got that. I feel like if you break the human struggle down to one word, it's confront. And so I kind of approach everything that way. And he also talked about how he's a bit of a searcher himself. I did read some pop psychology books. I, I was very much a searcher in my younger years. Yoga and Zen and a little Scientology, Transcendental Meditation, Buddhism. You know, I, I read a lot of stuff looking. I don't know what I was looking for. I think I was, uh, I was looking for a, a working philosophy, I think is what I was looking for in life to apply. And mm -hmm. I kind of formed my own little, I don't know if religion is the right word, but I've definitely created my own belief or operating system. I, I think operating, operating system. system would be the best term for what yeah. I've created because it's very pragmatic. It's not faith-based in any way. But that's my, one of my biggest principles is confront. Yeah. When I heard this, this was really powerful and truthful to me confront this is something that i felt i really needed to hear and maybe a similar in this way because it doesn't come natural to me it's not easy for me but i think there's definitely some truth to it being an adult means confronting your problems confronting who you are confronting where you stand and that's painful in many instances i think we need to confront what is if we have problems in our relationships let's say if we notice toxic patterns instead of just ignoring it we need to talk about them we need to address them even more so maybe we need to confront those letters we receive the bills uh, the uncomfortable phone calls we put off, the job we don't want to, we, we know we want to apply for, but we don't dare put ourselves out there. Confronting means putting yourself out there, taking a risk, identifying what needs to be done and doing it. Why is it so hard for some people? Because it seems that it's not that difficult for Jerry, but why is it so difficult for me, it seems. I feel that if you don't confront what is and what needs to be done, it all, it can definitely go downhill from there. Um, you're gonna get lost in your comfort zone. You want to do less and less things. And you just wait and ignore, and it usually gets worse and worse. Waiting can be fine in some instances, like, let's say in the stock market, you don't need to sell your stocks right away. It's actually good to be a bit patient. And maybe in relationships, it can be good to be a bit patient and not call it off right away. But for the most part, it's better to confront. It's the right thing to do. And we kind of know instinctively that we're cowards if we're just waiting and ignoring it and putting it back.
I guess in some sense we probably need to ignore our problems and push them back in the back of our heads because if we always think about all the problems we have, we will go crazy. So we have to kind of prioritize, right? And notice this is important, this is important. I want to focus on that, okay? But I think most of us know what's important, right? How do we know it? Because usually what's most important is what's most uncomfortable. I know it sucks. I wish life would be in a way that we can just watch Netflix, eat ice cream, and all our problems would solve themselves and we would be healthy, happy, and wealthy. Unfortunately, it's the contrary, mostly. If we want to get ahead in life or just be a well-adjusted human being, we need to confront what is. That's just the way it is. And this is why I think we can actually use our discomfort as a compass, as a guiding light of sorts, to know what we should be doing next. Maybe as soon as you feel like, oh, I don't want to do that, I don't want to make that call, I don't want to submit that application, I don't want to talk to my partner about that, this is when you know I'm on the right path, I should continue. This is where the gold is. This is where I'm going to get ahead in life. So do exactly what you're most afraid of. Of course, you shouldn't go out and jump in front of a train or uh, do crazy stuff. All I'm saying is we generally know what's important and we know what we need to confront. So we should make this a priority. We should train this. But as I said already, I'm not good at this. I'm actually pretty bad at confronting myself, confronting others. I'm very bad at confronting others first and foremost because I don't like conflict. I'm harmony oriented and I almost tear up if I'm arguing with somebody, so I don't like it. <laughs> I also sometimes feel like I don't like to confront my own life in a way. I sometimes put off opening a letter for a week. I sometimes, if it's something that, yeah, calling the doctor to make your appointment, I don't like it, I'm scared. I don't like going to the dentist. I don't like these uncomfortable things where no, there might be something bad coming out of it. I put them off and I, I don't like myself for it because I feel that those tabs are still open in my head. I still think about those problems like I need to do this, I need to get to the dentist again. And I feel like this anxiety piles up after time and then you have this constant anxiety hum of things you know you should be doing but you don't do them because you're too cowardly. And I don't even want to say you're such a coward for not doing the things you know you should be doing. Because I know by first-hand experience that for some people it's harder than for others. There are even name, names for this like avoidant attachment style, avoidant personality disorder. Everything is a disorder nowadays. 
and I think it can probably be traced back to ADHD, Asperger's, social anxiety, all of these things to me are kind of intertwined, they're kind of linked to each other. And probably just different words to describe a similar symptom. I mean, I could obviously do a lot of self-analysis on why I don't like to confront, why I don't like confrontation. I could say it's my hyperactive brain thinking of worst case scenarios all the time. Why? Because I'm afraid of pain and failure probably. Because I'm a perfectionist. Why am I a perfectionist? Because I'm afraid of pain and I have toxic shame inside of me. So I don't want to be out there and be in a super uncomfortable situation. And I feel guilty all the time almost. I feel like I did something wrong. Even if I go to the dentist and if he says, you should, I don't know, you have a cavity, I'm gonna feel super guilty for it. And I'm gonna feel like a jolt of pain, like uh, I could have prevented this. I'm at fault. I always look at all the fault with myself. And probably you could add with that the hypersensitivity, just pain is more painful to me, I guess. And so it's a bit of a chicken and egg problem. Does the hypersensitivity come from, um, from me being a bit avoidant? I think it's to a large part genetic as even um, Jerry Seinfeld says, but it's not only genetic, I think. Maybe I was a bit overprotected as a child. So if you're a parent, don't overprotect your children. It's not helpful at all. It's just harmful. My mom trying to get harm out of my way, but um, I'm not sure if I was overprotected because in many ways I had to endure things which Nowadays, I think we're child abuse, I definitely are. But in any case, I don't even like to analyze myself too much here. I want to be optimistic and look into the future because I think despite having been dealt bad cards and not being a great stoic person who can just call up anybody right away without any problems because you're an extrovert and because you feel like, yeah, I'm, I feel comfortable in my skin and I feel comfortable in this world. This is not who I am personally and maybe you aren't either, but I think we can change. I don't wanna just accept myself as being somebody who's unable to confront, who's unable to just call somebody, who's unable to put myself out there who's unable to have an unpleasant conversation. Sure, I think I'm never gonna love it, but I think this is a muscle that can be trained. And I know this from experience. Sometimes in my life, when I do something really tough, like having a super tough project at work or something where I'm really like totally out the, like, um, yeah, I have to go out of my comfort zone all the time at work, then it's easier for me to, to 
call up the dentist for the dentist appointment or do this and that. So I think there's definitely some argument for exposure therapy. I think it's a muscle that can be trained. So all I'm saying is do uncomfortable stuff more often, as I tended to say already. You have to train confrontation. And I think we all need to take a good look at ourselves because it's difficult to look at ourselves, right? I think it's easier to look at other people than looking at ourselves. And I feel that we prefer fake problems to real problems. Why? Because it's easier, because it's comfortable. Instead of fixing your own issues with your health or your relationships or your work, it's easier to just go on Twitter and tweet about politicians and what they do wrong or about some social cause that you're probably not gonna be solving with tweeting, but you can feel kind of good about yourself, right? This is more comfortable than doing the real hard work of confrontation. And I know this myself. And sometimes when I start in the morning and I wanna get work done, I can't do the uncomfortable stuff. I can't do the hard calling. I can't just even look at emails where I think this might be something bad. I'm too scared almost. And one tool that you can use is to make the most important and most uncomfortable thing right first thing in the morning. And this is something I, I didn't do so far. I do it in the time where I'm most courageous. So this is more the afternoon or the evening. But be careful because what I tend to do is then I'm going to tell myself I do it in the evening and then it's like, oh no, now it's too late. I can do it next morning and then it's next weekend when I have more time and then I never do it. You probably know this procrastination uh, vicious cycle. It's really powerful and it's bad. It's annoying and I don't want to be this person who just, uh, yeah, procrastinates on even simple things. Confront. Have those unpleasant conversations with yourself and with others and do the uncomfortable stuff. I think that's a powerful thing. We all should train more often. And it's scary, I know. And for some people it's harder. I'm not gonna even lie about it, but you can do it. Maybe do it right now or tomorrow. Make a plan for it, okay? So good luck. I'm trying my best to improve there and you can maybe also do your best. I wish you luck and I pray for you, even though I'm not that religious. And I think it's a powerful idea, confront. This is maybe what we're here to do. And maybe if you wanna get real philosophical, confront our own stupidity as humans, our own flaws, our own mortality, I think that's the last boss probably confronting our own mortality, how short our life is, how finite our time is on this earth, how fleeting our existence is, how fleeting society is, but still confront, look the beast in the eye. What is it that Nietzsche said? Like if you, if you look into the abyss, the abyss looks at you or something. 
So in a, I don't know exactly, I probably butchered this, but what I want to say is, look at what's painful. It's like a detective that has to look at the, at the victim that has been murdered. Sherlock Holmes has to look at the dead body to find who did it. And in a similar way, you have to look at your life too, to find what you need to do. But enough of this, this didn't end up too positive, but I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic that we can change, that we can improve, and that as we get older, we're better at confronting this world, and most importantly, ourselves. And to close this ASMR bedtime show off, I thought I would show you some unintentional ASMR that I really enjoyed because, you know, I'm a big fan of unintentional ASMR and um, I always enjoy collecting it and watching it and showing it to you. One is a Scottish weaver, a traditional Scottish weaver who has a great voice, a nice accent, and I thought it's really interesting. And the second one is some knitting tutorial of the channel Yay for Yarn with a nice voice too. Then there's a very eloquent Muslim intellectual who has a nice voice and talks about some interesting philosophical stuff from the UK. And then finally, some medical exam with some trigger points with which are generally great for unintentional ASMR, right? So instead of talking too much, here are just some highlights from these unintentional ASMR recommendations. What we've got here is the wheel, which is attached to this, which is called a maiden. And the maiden is going to twist around and you notice that there are hooks on the maiden. Now it's turned using the foot pedal, like so. The next stage that we're going to do is we're going to put the bobbin into the, the spinning wheel. So what we have to do with, with this end here, loosen it off, take it out and hold this with your left hand and insert the bobbin. What I'm doing is I'm spinning the flax. The actual spinning is very similar to the film on spinning with wool. You have to release your right hand and twist it again. But at the same time, with your left, you're holding the fleece firmly between your thumb and your index finger. To take the shuttle through the space, all we have to do is pull the stick and beat down the yarn. So I'm just going to, again, bring the yarn to the back and knit those last four stitches. And then we're gonna talk about other knitting styles. Now, as with any knitting style, there are many different possible ways that you can tension the yarn on your left hand. Some people like to wrap it around their finger like this and go kind of like that. And that works well for a lot of people. There are also knitters who like to wrap it around the pinky and then up over the index finger like this and that works fine too 
And there are also knitters who like to bring the yarn around the wrist, like so. But this is generally recommended for people who knit kind of tight because this will give you a looser gauge. We are in the Anthropocene era where the principal geological and geomorphological influence on the surface of the uh, planet is actually a species, namely ourselves. We are having the kind of impact that glaciers used to have. We are fundamentally transforming things, but in an infinitesimally smaller biological, historical, uh, paleontological time frame. And this is what we are doing. Essentially, from the perspective of the planet, what we do is we dig up minerals in great big holes in some places in the world, and we complexly turn them into things that we briefly use, and then we bury the junk into other great big holes in the world. And then we look at the basic patterns of the Muslim life. We do find that they are, you might say, fitriya, that is to say, they require no paraphernalia, they require no mediation, uh, and they are intensely embodied. And they embed us in the physical world insofar as uh, when you are in the mosque, you face the qibla, and that immediately gave, gives you a grounding in terms of the points of the compass and where you are, and you have a sense of direction. It's a spiritual GPS. It's like there's a Next muscle we're going to look at is the infraspinatus. So here's the spine of the scapula and it's the muscle below the spine of the scapula. It is, it attaches quite a broad muscle, fan-shaped, and it runs down to almost to the bottom of the, of the um, scapula here. It's a broad attachment, but the muscle itself is quite thin. It then runs across like this and attaches into so coming like that and and becomes a tendon all the rotator cuff muscles become a tendon around the point that the acromion starts as i press and i run backwards and forwards i'm watching my patient's face and i'm looking for there i feel something can you feel that yes. yeah so I'm on a trigger here. This is quite easy to find because the muscle is really quite thin. So, again, the same principle applies to ischemic pressure. I push hard enough so that you can feel it. Then when I release the pressure, tell me when you don't feel it at all. It's gone. So, at this point, I'm now going to augment the pressure of my one thumb with the other, and I'm going to gradually increase the pressure you tell me if it starts to hurt. Okay. It starts to hurt, so I back off. Now, and, and if you just relax, just relax. Is that feeling comfortable? Yeah. Okay, so tell me if it starts to hurt again. Like that. And then you go lower and you run up. Again, into the pain reference zone starting from the beginning, from the origin, through the triggers, and down into the pain reference zone. All right, that was it. Thank you so much for being here with me. I'd be interested in hearing what you think about the confrontation as a life philosophy.
I think, yeah, we need a simple life philosophy. We need to all come up with our own life philosophy, as Jerry Seinfeld said. We can't just rely on religion to give us our philosophy. We can't rely on some gurus because they just live a different life than us. We have to kind of, I think, find our own path in life, our own operating system. I think that's a good word, actually. Find your own operating system and make it simple and pragmatic. And I would say, in general, prioritize confrontation and doing uncomfortable stuff and putting yourself out there because your life is short and if you just procrastinate and retract into your shell like i tend to do you're gonna not only miss out on life but you're gonna have a lot of problems in your relationships in your health in your work and all of these things i know for some of us it's harder it's way harder but we can do it we can try it we should try it and if you're highly sensitive too, I hope you can find some nice outlet for your all this energy inside of you, which you probably have this irritated energy, but also this beautiful energy of art. And maybe it's music, maybe it's paintings, maybe it's just building something, maybe it's just listening to music, maybe it's just film, maybe it's acting, maybe it's all of these. I hope you can find something uh, that you can do regardless of commercial success, let's just say. So again, thank you so much for being here. I had a great time. And you can write me a message or send a comment if there's anything you want to say. If you want to support the podcast a bit again and you're interested in testing CBD, you can go to naturecan.com and use the code CALM10. CALM10 and it's also linked in the description and that's basically it thank you so much for being here and talk to you next time